If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. What's up, nerds? This is Just a Couple Arslings, the Last Kingdom podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jessica Toomer. And I'm Alyssa Fixie. We are writers for Sci-Fi Wires fangirls who started recapping The Last Kingdom in season three. So we decided to bring that nerdy, horny energy to Podcastlandia. Jessica, what's up? Alyssa. <laughs> nothing much. <laughs> nothing. Um, nothing. That's what's nothing up. Nothing <laughs> is up. That's why we've decided, I'm sure everyone will be, like, so surprised, but we've decided to cut this small talk section um, It just doesn't seem like the right time. Nothing's I happening mean, that we really want to talk about. Stay inside. Does small talk wear a even mask, exist? Wash your hands. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> do what you need to do to stay safe. Um, and we're just going to, like, get right into The Last Kingdom because that's all any of us care about these days. Right. Little escapism, which, you know, when your escapism is a show where people are dying and getting murdered and going to war, that I think that tells you a little something about what (laughs) life is like today. I'm like, Like, man, I wish I could go to sea and get in a shipwreck. It'd be better than, you know. What's happening? Yeah. So anyway, it's, it's, it's bleak. Um, but you know what? We're not going to judge ourselves right now. So yeah, let's get into it. This episode, I mean, probably one of the hardest episodes to watch. To be honest, I, this. I mean, we've had some pretty devastating deaths on the Last Kingdom, but I think this yeah. one might be the worst. Oh, it's um, definitely the worst. I mean, yeah, it's so it's so hard because it makes me like kind of go back and think about, um, you know, uh, Bioka in every season and how he's just like kind of grown on us. This episode, such a big loss with Bioka. Um, Huge. I, it's it's so devastating. Like I watching the episode. So, you know, just to recap in case, like, it's so traumatic that you've blacked it out. Um, Whitgar, you know, threatens to kill young Uhtred, and Bioka ends up stepping, you know, stepping in front of him and, and taking the crossbow and straight Which is to just the heart. Like, that's the most Bioka way to die. You know what I right? mean? Like, God looking out it. for Uhtred, protecting others, putting himself on the line. He was a real one to the end, even though, you know, obviously he had his moments where we weren't always on Team Bioka. For the most part, he's been, like, such a constant in Uhtred's life for so long, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. Like, without Bayoka, like, what does Uhtred do now? He's his—he's, like, his—he's his last link to, like, who he was, you know? Like, his relationship with Brita is over, and she's, like, crazy now. And, you know, everybody else is gone. So, Bayoka was his real last link to Bebenberg and who he wanted to return to. And so that's a that's a devastating loss. I've lost every family I had. Belka was always there. The only constant. Without Belka, I have no home. It's so sad, but so kind of 
on point with the character that Bioka, one, he goes out sacrificing his life for young Uhtred. Um, and he does it in Bebenberg. And he does it in Bebenberg. But he he tries for peace first, which mm-hmm. is always like what, you know, he's he's been about. Um, and he kind of pleads to, to Wittgar to, to kind of put the past behind them and, you know, take on the Scots together. And, of course, this dude is like, this is the North. We don't do peace. What a weird flex, first of yeah. all. <laughs> like, we are committed to just fighting and bloodshed till the day we die. Like, good Chaos for you. I don't always. know. <laughs> yeah, no thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he also is like, you know what, this Uhtred is like a stranger here. We don't need him. And I'm like, dude, you've been, like, sailing the seven seas <laughs> for decades. Right. Like, right. you don't belong here either. So right. it's it's really sweet that Bioka tries, but it's just like, this is Aelfrich's son through and through. Like, he's not going to listen. And so... You know, Bioka has to make the ultimate sacrifice, and um, it's it's brutal. He kind of falls to the mud, and it's slow-mo, and, and it's, like, muffled background, and then you see Uhtred kind of lose it, and it's like, ugh, can we make this death any more dramatic? <laughs> no, it is peak drama, peak trauma. It's just, it's a, it's a brutal one. And so, mm. you know, Uhtred starts slashing and... Sure, as you do. (laughs) Right. You know, when you're filled with an unholy rage at the death of your mentor, you know, you got to take it out on some baddies. Right. Um, But yeah, so they have this fight and Uhtred is like really struggling and Finnan, I mean, they have to get out of there because they're never going to be able to take on Wittgar's forces. And so they got to get back to their ship through the Seagate. And like Uhtred just, he doesn't want to leave Bayoka's body behind. He doesn't want to stop fighting. And Finnan basically has to drag him out of there or they're all going to die. Yeah. Thank God Finnan is there, you know, because Thank God for Finnan in this episode. Like, seriously. For real. Um, Yeah. But yeah, they have to flee and they, it is a rough ship ride. So. My God. And once again, I'm like, we're on, we're crying on a rowboat. Like, season two, like, slave ship vibes. (laughs) It's like, I thought we had gotten past this, but it's like, time is a flat circle. We're coming back, you know? Um, But yeah, it's, so that's obviously devastating. And Mm. um, we switch from that to, you know, all of the kind of chaos that's happening in Mercia and... Edward learns that Ethelred is invading East Anglia, um, mm-hmm. and he's left Mercia undefended. And, you know, everyone is trying to, aside from Ethelhelm, everyone is trying to get Edward to kind of come to Mercia's aid. He's promised, um, you know, allegiance. And even though Ethelred's not there, the people are there, and they're what really right. matters. And, um, you know, it's Edward's, you know, concerned about the hills, and Canute's cunning, like, battle strategy, which, like, fair. Um, but, yeah, I just knew that Edward was going to turn his back on Mercia. Like, he's all about Wessex right now. It's so... Yeah, he doesn't take his sister or his mother's counsel into account at all. Like, you know, I think he struts around thinking that he's a big king now, but he really is just doing the bidding of Athelhelm at this point. Like, he does not... He wants to think that he has his own backbone, but he really... I mean, he really doesn't. Like, Athelhelm, his father-in-law, is just like, all right, this is what I want to happen. I'm going to flatter the king until he does it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think in this episode, Aleswith kind of realizes 
how bad the situation is really. Like, Mm -hmm. she realizes that Edward is not going to listen to her. He's not going to listen to Athelflaed. And he's really not going to concern himself with sacrificing Mercians in order to do what he wants with Wessex. Um, And I think Athelflaed realizes that too. Like, she realizes that she's not going to get Edward on her side without a little leverage. So she basically tells her mom, all right, I have to do this for my people. And so she leaves to go and raise the Mercian Fjords to sort of fight back against Canute because obviously Athelred's not going to do it. So Ugh, yeah, she's taking, no, taking matters into her own hands because she I, is the lady again. of Mercia. <laughs> yeah, it's up to her to like save, you know, the whole fucking kingdom. Um, yeah, I ju- this whole interaction, it Edward is such like a, He's such a stubborn man-child this season. Mm. I don't understand, you know, how he's grown into this kind of sexist, egotistical jerk. Um, Mm. Because I just didn't feel like who he was, like, in the past few seasons. I thought maybe he was making strides to be, obviously, to be a different king than Alfred, but not necessarily a worse one. (laughs) Um, Right, right. So, yeah. I mean, like, you know it's bad when you have to have, like, Father Purelick over here saying, like, you know, doing metaphors like Mercia burns like a lighted fart. Like, trying to convince (laughs) you to, like, come to their aid. convince you that things are bad, (laughs) nothing will. I mean, that's, like, true poetry right there. I don't know any (laughs) other, like, battle cry that he could have given. Um, Yeah, so it's it's just all depressing and um the one thing I do like really love about um how terrible Edward is and what that means for the show is that it's really like bonding Aylesworth and Ethelfled because sure. Aylesworth, you know, has that connection to Mercia. She's of Mercia, and Ethelfled takes her responsibility to Mercia so seriously. I mean, I think more seriously than any other kind of queen who didn't come from that land would. And so they are, like, all in to, you know, save this kingdom and also to save, like, Alfred's vision. And I like I like that the show is bringing them together because they're two strong women. They go about things differently, but I think that's going to be a benefit to them this season. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, but, yeah, everybody's kind of a mess this episode. Like, mm. you know, Uchir and his men, they wash up on shore and, you know— Uhtred is dealing with this profound level of grief um, and he can't like he cannot be a leader right now. Like he mm-hmm. is too sort of overcome with the loss of Bayoka that he can't lead his men in order to find them food, find them silver, find them shelter. And so, you know, it's really it's not looking great for him right now, but it's not looking great for anybody, really. Like, you know, sure. Knut's, you know going through Mercia and killing villagers and burning it all to the ground. And Athelred's not doing anything about it. And, you know, those, the, I'm actually this season, I'm really interested in the siblings in Edith and Eardwolf because they're both sort of playing Athelred for their, their own gain, but they're not particularly good at it. So here's the thing. I think, I think Edith could be really good at it. I think she's probably, um, Used to being able to manipulate manipulate men a little bit easier. I think Ethelred is so entitled and so 
kind of rotten to his core. She's underestimated maybe just how terrible he is. Mm. Um, I mean, if you can't tell that he's terrible based on the deep V and horrible crown he's been swanning around in. Seriously. Come on. (laughs) But, you know, I think she thought maybe, I don't know. I could see where she'd be like, oh, I can just, like, string him along um, mm. and I'll never have to, like, commit and because he's just a jerk. I don't want to be with him, but I need to use him. But Ethelred is, is he, again, he's stupid, but he's not—he's dangerous, you know what I mean? And yeah. so I, I think Edith is more maybe prepared than Erdwolf is. I think Erdwolf is yeah. so—he's got tunnel vision about what he wants out of this kind of partnership— Um, And he's willing, obviously, he's willing to do anything to get it, but he's so kind of like gung-ho to get in good with Ethelred that he makes some decisions that, like, obviously backfire. I mean, if it were me, I wouldn't be the one, especially if Heston uh, had come to me and been like, here's some insider information, you should make a battle strategy over this. Uh, that wouldn't have been my play. I like I would have told someone else to suggest it. Nope, so nobody way, has like, gotten him up yourself. to speed. Right. Nobody's gotten him up to speed on never trust Heston. So that's on <laughs> Isn't that that's like on the first them. rule of like it Viking life. <laughs> right. If you're a Saxon or if you're a Viking, just don't trust Heston. Never don't trust which, Heston. You know, yeah. we see more later on in the episode too. But yeah, right. I you know, I think Athelred is a really bad combination of stupid and vicious which can be particularly dangerous um but yeah um everybody's everybody's in a bad place this episode it's real it's a real heartbreaker it's it's hard i I think like especially watching utrid like question himself so much yeah he's he's obviously Mm. grieving I mean, he's like, it's to the point where he wants to go on a walkabout by himself. Right. Um, he, it's like we've entered, like, the take care era of Uhtred's emotional Aww. journey. Yeah. He's like, you know, hip-hop right. emo boy, like, Drake over here. He's just so, right. like, up in his feelings about it. And I get it because, I mean, he's lost basically, like, a father figure. And how do you—and he's lost him in the worst way possible, you know— when Bioka was trying to do something for them both. But obviously that was uh, a kind of mission that Uhtred had launched. Sure. And so, yeah, it's bad. And uh, I think it's compounded the, by the fact that they failed so badly in Bevenbird, too. Sure. Like, they didn't take it back. So not only did he lose Bioka, he also lost his hope for ever getting back to his home. So that's a that's a pretty potent one-two punch. And Uhtred is definitely, you know, dealing with the guilt and he's dealing with the sorrow of losing his family and his home. And, you know, he's, he tells Finnan, without Bayoka, I have no home. Um, mm. Which I think if Ugh. I'd been Finnan and, like, been on the run with Uhtred for so long and, like, built a home in Cookham, I'd be a little taken aback at that statement. But, like, you know, he's he lets him feel his feelings and that's important. Finnan is so, like, selfless and... He's just the best. Like I think it was he, a great, he recognizes. It was a, yeah, it was a great Finnan episode for sure. It was so good. And I think he he sees his friend hurting and he knows I mean, whatever Utrid says is not like gonna be well thought out. And so mm-hmm. yeah, you could take that the wrong way, but I think Finnan knows like Utrid's just in a bad spot and um he's saying a lot of things that he doesn't mean. Like I don't think he, he really wants to abandon his men. I no. don't think he's he's necessarily done with fighting. I think 
he's just having that moment of after such a big loss, as anyone would, of being of like taking stock of his life and what he's been doing with it and if he needs to like continue or try a different path. And so um, I think it's like a mark of a good friend to stick through him, you know, or stick with him through that. Sure. I think I think at this point, Uhtred is feeling a lot of shame. Um, I think Mm -hmm. he puts a lot of stock in his reputation and his ability as a warrior and the fact that he is Uhtred of Ebenburr. And so the fact that, you know, he went to go take it back and he thought it was going to be a pretty simple thing um, and he couldn't do it. Um, So I think that sort of I don't think he I don't think he wants to leave his men. I think he doesn't feel worthy to lead them right now. Um, sure. And, you know, Finnan kind of leaves him to, f- you know, feel that, um, you know, emotional turmoil. And he goes and sort of not takes control, but sort of steps up and is like, all right, Uhtred can't handle things right now. I'll take care of it. Citric, you go find provisions. Here's all the, you know, jewelry that we can scrabble together to, you know, get some food. And, you know, Finnan A surprising Finan does, amount of jewelry. Yeah, a lot of rings, a lot of rings, yeah, a lot of bracelets. Say, <laughs> it's not a bad haul. They're fancy boys and they like their bling. <laughs> and luckily that works out for them so they can eat. But yeah, you know, Finnan really, really steps up when Uhtred needs him. And it's uh, it's pretty great. Yeah. And so, you know, while he's um, kind of taking control of things as they plan to head back south, um in Wessex, Ethelhelm is like kind of just ensuring his place of power by nipping at the bonds between Edward and his family. And he does that. Um, he's so devious. And he, he does that when they're, they're having dinner. Um, and he kind of pipes up as Aylesworth is trying to convince Edward again to like go save Mercia. He's like, oh, you know, I thought you said Ethelflaed was going to a nunnery. My daughter like went and checked and she's not there. Um, and he basically... This whole forces, family, they just suck. Like the, the father f- and the, the daughter, hell? they just need to go. Get out of yeah. here. Like, who are you to keep tabs on the Queen of Mercia, dude? Like, come right. on. Your daughter married the king. That's it. Right. Um, but yeah, so Aylesworth, you know, has to come clean and she tells Edward that Ethelflaed is heading to Mercia to fight the Danes, um, which honestly is something her cowardly brother should already be doing. And mm-hmm. uh, she tells him about the plan for Tettenhall. And, and so Aylesworth was really um, smart this episode in a way I didn't I didn't think I know she's cunning and she's a good schemer. I didn't know that she had that much, um, you know, battle strategy knowledge, but she gives Ethelflaed like a really good idea of going to this valley and um, leading the Danes there because that means, you know, your numbers don't have to be as great because you're not fighting like on an open plain or, or on hills or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, she's she's told Ethelflaed to raise the fjords and, and go there, and she tells Edward the same thing. Like, that's where your sister's going. That's where you need to be. There is a valley in Tadnall where lesser numbers might stand a chance. This is where you must force the Danes to fight. The fjords will not be enough. I will need Edward's aid. When you're gone, and I will speak to him, your brother will not abandon you. 
else with whether she would like to admit it or not. I think she's learned a lot of that from Uhtred, at least Mm -hmm. maybe not directly, but she listened. You know, she paid attention when Alfred made plans and when Alfred, you know, did things. And Alfred got a lot of his battle strategy straight from Uhtred. So whether she'd like to admit it or not... She will never never admit it. But can I just say that I'm, like, loving Aleswith's journey this season? Like, it has been... it's killing me. But, yeah, I agree. (laughs) I know. Like, for the longest time, like, I mean, if anybody's listened to our old episodes, we were definitely not team Aleswith. Like, you know, she's a great foil, but, like, geez, like, she caused a lot of problems for a lot of people, especially Uhtred, who is our fave. Mm. But, like, this season, she is really, like, stepping up and realizing that she can't just defer to the king on everything because a lot of the time he's wrong and people are going to die because of that. And I'm kind of loving it. Yeah, it's it's really interesting to see this kind of battle shaping up between her and El, El, um, Ethelhelm. Yeah. Uh, because they're both kind of they're fighting it's interesting because they're fighting almost for the same thing obviously they want wessex to be safe and to be strong and they want a united england mm-hmm. um i think Ethelhelm does want that because that sure. means he would have more power but i think they're going about it different ways so aleswith obviously you know sees the importance of allies as the biggest you know thing to fight the danes with and Ethelhelm is over here telling Edward, you know, let's stay in Wessex, let Ethelred face Canute. He's probably going to die, and that takes care of one problem. And then, mm-hmm. you know, Canute, then we can take on Canute ourselves. He'll already have gone to battle with Ethelred, so maybe some of his men are, will be dead. And, um, you know, then you win, and you're king of all England, because there's no king in Mercia, there's no king in Anglia, East Anglia. You know, it's just going to be you. And then, you know, that's the United England that your father— dreamed of the only problem is it means you're gonna have to sacrifice your sister so right. not and a cool lot with of that people plan. along the way <laughs> right yeah, yeah it's, like, it's it, it matters how you get what you want you know what i mean it doesn't right. matter it does it's not just you get it right and I, you would think that he would have learned that from his father because that was like alfred's whole deal is like you know i want yes. to accomplish this but i'm not gonna do it in a way that Usually, I'm not going to do it in a way that goes against my principles. You know, he has some occasional Danish influence when it was particularly dire. But for the most part, you know, he really stayed true to his vision. Um, But yeah, and I, I, you know, I don't think Edward is really like taking the threat of the Danes as seriously as he should. You know, we, we see a little bit of what's going on with like Brita and Knut's camp and like Brita's doing some witchy shit to find out if she's pregnant. And she is, (laughs) the curse is broken. You know, it's kind of a bummer that she got the kid that she wanted with Knut who sucks. Yeah. And so they're, you know, talking about taking over all of England and sitting on Edward's throne and, you know, I think it's, like, super interesting that she brings it back to Ragnar again. I'm, mm-hmm. like, I'm, like, so they brought up Ragnar twice in this episode. And I'm just, like, waiting for that moment when it comes out that, like, Canute was the one who really did the killing. Like, he didn't, he didn't, you know, pull the knife, but he made it happen. So. Oh, yeah. I'm just, it's going to be huge. I'm ready for that, man. It's going to be so good. It's not going, it's not going great for anybody um, especially because, you know, Edward, he sends out that messenger, um, 
to Athelred's camp and lets him know, hey, mm, things yeah. are getting really bad in Mercia. You might want to take care of that because your kingdom has basically fallen to the Danes. Um, and he gives that message to Erdwolf, who uh, does not handle it well. No, <laughs> panics a little bit. It's a panic right. kill. Who um, hasn't murdered a messenger <laughs> in a panic state? You know, it's, you know, it all, happens. You know, sh- the stress can get right. to you in ninth right. century times. Um, yeah. yeah, he he knows how damaging this is for him because sure, he's the he one was, who yeah. told Ethelred we should go invade East Anglia, expand mm-hmm. your kingdom. The Danes are gone. Yeah. Um, and all of that was, uh, was a lie. And so <laughs> he kills this guy. Um, and his sister witnesses his sister it. Sees. <laughs> and it's like Ugh. this whole interaction, it's so gross, but it's also yeah. just like so hilarious because here's this dude. He's so kind of powerless and pathetic in, at this point, um, because he knows like he, he's, his head is like, you know, going to be off his shoulders soon. And Here's his sister who's like, all right, I guess I'll finally bang him and maybe it'll put him in a good mood for you to tell him. I'm like, this is a terrible plan, but sure, go ahead. I don't know. He's like, I'll try and mitigate as much as I can, but you're on your own, buddy. Like, you know, there's only so many falls she can take for him. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're like plan B, if your safety net is to like pimp your sister out to like this king that you're trying to get in with. He's so creepily, he is so creepily excited about pimping his sister out too, which is just, oh yeah, it's really deeply upsetting. Yeah, it's weird. I I mean, uh, to be fair, he tried to pimp himself out to Ethelred and Ethelred, I guess, doesn't, isn't interested. But (laughs) yeah, it's just such a, such a strange like family I don't know. It does give me major Lannister vibes. I'm not going to I lie. get that, too. Yes, 100% <laughs> they are Lannisters trying to manage an even worse Robert Baratheon. Like, it's oh. not. It's it's a lot. Yeah. Um, but, so, yeah um, that, but poor that, Edith, yeah. she ends up having to do it. <laughs> yeah, I just, I mean, everything about Athelred is just the worst. And it really, that was not a consensual situation and it was just very upsetting i hate him and i hope he dies yeah and and obviously like i did not enjoy watching that i mean who would but um it's weird that like i don't know that scene for me mirrored you know the scene with ethelred and ethel fled on their wedding night where it was oh for sure you know what i mean i just thought that was interesting that they chose to have it go down that way and i wonder what it means like going forward with this character Edith and I, I don't know I maybe well, I, I read too much into it but I don't know if you read too much into it I think it just means that like Athelred does not have consensual sex like every sure. every He's sexual gotta, contact he has has distinct rape vibes um yeah well because he's so like insecure about himself that he has to establish dominance right it's all any about power can yeah 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 that's true it was it was a lot god what a turd <laughs> Ready for him to die. I'm hoping he yeah. doesn't survive the season. I'm just, I'm sick of that dude. Just get him out of here. So tired of him. Um, um, also so tired of Heston, who shows yeah. up this episode. But honestly, well, before, I was not upset to see Heston. No, I, you know, I think he's a, he's always an interesting, um, an interesting element in like 
anything. Um, but before we get to Heston, I do want to talk about that moment where young Uhtred and Uhtred sort of blow up at each other in the woods. Because, um, mm, yeah. um, you know, Uhtred's dealing with his grief in his own way. And young Uhtred is like, you know, he's praying for Bioka because that's what he knows. Like, that is what he was raised with. And honestly, that's probably what Bioka would want, too. Like, having sure, somebody yeah. pray for him, like, that would, you know, that would... uh mean a lot to him but Uhtred sort of sees it as an affront and you know he sort of sees it as you know well Baoka's god didn't save him so why are you bothering with this shit and you know it's just it's a really tense moment between the two of them and you know you kind of felt for a little while that they were maybe taking some strides but again I feel like a lot of their interactions this season are going to be like two steps forward one step back and this definitely felt like a little bit of a step back um but, again, Finnan comes in clutch, and, you know, yes. he urges young Uhtred to stay, and he really sticks up for Uhtred and tells him, he's like, listen, like, your dad's had to deal with a lot. Like, yeah, your life has been hard, too, but, like, it's nothing compared to his, and he's, you know, built this legacy up from nothing. So the least you could do is give him a little respect about it. Um, but yeah, Finnan's really keeping the team together. Dude, I need me a hype man like Finnan. <laughs> right? <laughs> everyone could like, use one. Not only is he telling you that you're the best, he's also telling everyone else that you're the best after you've right. just, like, faced the biggest, like, loss and failure of your life. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think it's there's also, you know, it's an interesting conversation that he has with young Uhtred about, you know, what his father has sacrificed, but also that whole um, argument that, uh, Uhtred has, you know, with his son, um, young Uhtred sees it so differently than how Finnan explains it to him. And I think that mm-hmm. was really crucial. Um, it was a crucial step in young Uhtred kind of understanding his father because he thinks, you know, his father is blowing up at him because he sees he's like the physical embodiment of everything he's lost now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and of course, that's how you would think, especially as a teenager, it's like, it's all my fault because, you know, as a teenager, everything revolves around you. And it's really nice to see Finn and be like, you're so young. You have no idea. But, right. like, your dad looks at you and he sees everything that's happened and he sees it as a failure of his on his own part to not, mm-hmm. you know, be able to protect you. Like, that's what he's upset about. And yeah. so, yeah, it's just another, like, nice little bridge that Finn is kind of building between them, um, you know, maybe without really even realizing it. But I, I liked that that idea that these two men— they care a, a lot about each other, but they see each other. They see their problems in such different ways. Yeah. And it's really about kind of, yeah, giving some empathy and understanding to each other, um, which they end up doing later in the episode. They do. And they find really some nice. common ground. I also really yeah. loved that moment where Uhtred is, he's up on the hill, always on these hills, and he sort of buries <sighs> Bayoka's cross. And um, so he, you know, the he hill at like sunset. Yes, you know, very have cinematic that background. Yeah, very <laughs> cinematic. And you know, Finnan comes up to see him, and you know, Uhtred is like, "Oh my god!" You know, he doesn't have a grave. He's gonna be cursed. And Finnan's like, "You idiot! You know, don't think that he's with God. He's with Tira. He's gonna, you know, he's in peace now, and he wouldn't want you to be so tore up from the floor up all the time." So yeah, you know. They have that, you know, they have that moment where, you know, Finnan tells him, like, this isn't the end. Like, this is 
we're gonna be we're gonna be okay. It's yeah, he's got to give him a little bit of tough love. Yeah, right. He's like, listen, it's gonna be super hard, but you know, it's worth it to keep fighting, and that's what Bayoka would want. And so at that, you know, Uhtred rallies a little bit. He's obviously not up to his full fighting strength, but he's at least a little bit more himself when they run into Heston, who you know always loves to get under Uhtred's skin. So. It's uh, It always promises to be an adventure whenever they cross paths. I mean, I'll say this for Heston. Like, he always brings, like, the juiciest goss. And so yeah, I, I, whole, you know, like, he's Yeah, he sucks, but, like, I love him, and I hope he's around until the last episode because Heston is the best pot stirrer we have. He's like the, the Gretchen Wieners of, like, the Viking world. <laughs> his, <laughs> so hair his hair is, like, is so, so dirty big. because it's, it's full, full of secrets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, but so they run into Heston. He's like taking, you know, all of his kin um, away from the fighting because that's just not who he is anymore. Right. Um, and he has Knut's sons, which is pretty important. Yeah. Knut's, Knut's twins. Um, it's obviously a, a very tense meeting, mostly because Heston just loves like any opportunity to kind of dig at Uhtred. And so he. Uhtred and his pretty boys. Of, God. He like insults Ethelfled, which is. The quickest way to, like, flip the switch. Yeah. Um, but I think, uh, you know, it was really important for Uhtred to connect with Heston because he learns a couple of things. Like, he learns that Heston has Knut's sons. He's supposed to mm-hmm. be, like, protecting them and keeping them away from the fighting. Um, he learns that Ethelfled is heading to Mercia to meet the Danes in this valley, um, which, thank God, because, you know, she needs some help in that battle. Yeah. Yeah. And I think probably the most important thing, which like I literally gasped out loud when Heston finally told. Me too. I was like, no way this is coming so soon. No way. And, um, but he, he tells him, he's like, Canute is the one who like, you know, led that knife. Like he, he's the one who had Ragnar killed and who, um, whispered in Ethelwald's ear and, uh, it was all a plan to kind of take Ragnar's seat, to take Brita. Like, that was all his scheming. And, uh, yeah, it's ins- it was so crazy just to see, like, finally someone who it really matters to, the truth matters to, to see them learn it was just... It was so cool. And and then I was, like, immediately worried because Uhtred goes, like, straight to, oh, yeah, you got his boys with you, though. And I'm like, I know. is Uhtred like, going to oh. kill some kids? Like, <laughs> right. I don't know. <laughs> Taking kids hostage is, like, one step. You could tell that Baby Monk was, like, yikes. What I thought doing? you were done with this. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I also thought that, like, getting this information showed, you know, how far Uhtred has come over the seasons because, you know, old Uhtred would have, like, freaked out and you know it would have been his only mission was to kill Canute now like he would have to avenge Ragnar at this moment and he wouldn't play it tactically but now sure. you can see you can sort of see like Uhtred take the mental note of that knowledge and like tuck it away into his brain and be like all right I'll handle that later right now I have to go deal with Mercia because shit is bad mm-hmm. there so that you know that sort of level of I guess not self-involvement, this lack of self-involvement. 
it's such good growth. I was so proud of him. Um, But yeah, but you know, he's still, he's still taking some captives, even though they're children, because you know, he's still pragmatic. (laughs) Right. He's allowed to like give into his feelings a little bit and take a couple of twins hostage. Like, come on. Right. Right. Um, Yeah, I I agree. I was, I was really impressed that he didn't just fly off the handle. Um, Just because that's such a, I don't know. That's that's a huge kind of reveal and a huge, you know, uh, twist to what he thought. I mean, he thought he was done with it. He thought he had given Ragnar peace and he had avenged his death. Um, that was such a guiding kind of force last season. So to see him react kind of almost calmly to it and to to think about how he was going to play it was I was I was. um Yeah. I was feeling it. And then, of course, I'm excited because he's going to Mercy and he's going to see Ethelfled and our girl really needs some help. Um, I do have one question, though. You, I'm sure you will not have an answer. How does Uhtred keep his undercut so sharp when they're on the road? Like, there's not a speck okay. of growth on that head in the places okay. where it needs him, to be shaved. Him, Citric. Citric, um, yeah. Finnan. Right. Uh, like all of them, like just the cleanest lines. I don't I know. know. All of Do these they have, cuts. Like, a barber that travels. Surely one of their dudes must like carry a razor and be like, all right, guys, let's take 20 and, you know, give you a quick cleanup because there is no yeah. way that those fades would be so sharp without maintenance. No. So no. I'm impressed. And there's I'm there's impressed. also a lot of um, there's a lot of beadwork and a lot of braiding in these hairstyles. I can't imagine you sleep on the ground once. Right. You know, all that's going to be ruined. You've got to redo it every day. Right. So, you know, battle yeah. prep is, um, you know, there's got to be a lot of presentation. So, it is. But. It's all about presentation. This, like, Viking warlord life. <laughs> right. Is I would not fare well. <laughs> right. Which is probably why Osberth just stuck with his monk haircut, because he just does not want to have to deal with that shit all the time. Like, who wants to deal with braids and undercut shaving every day? Like, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, I think the, under, the, the monk, um, like, bowl cut is basically, like, our version of the, the messy bob. Right. He just cut it real short and he didn't yeah, want to commit to say, bangs, oh. so he just yeah, kept exactly. the bob. <laughs> <laughs> we figured it out for sure. Right. There we go. Um yeah, but before before they head to Mercia, I really loved this scene between Uhtred and young Uhtred where they finally oh, sort of find yes. ugh, it was really good. Where they finally find some common ground. Um with their love of Gisela. Um, you know, young Uhtred talks about how he remembers you know, when his dad left to go to battle and his mom told him, like, the reason he goes is to fight for who he loves. Um, so he's, you know, he's fighting for us and it feels like he's abandoning you, but really he's doing everything he can to keep you safe. And that may not look exactly like you want it to, but it's how he knows how to do it. Um, and, you know, they, you know, they talk about how they, you know, how they both remember her and miss her so much. And that, you know, I think, I think, um, again, we can bring a lot of this back to Finnan. And I think that young Uhtred in seeing how his men responded to his dad's, you know, needing a minute and how he saw that they were still so willing to follow him when he's, you know, when Uhtred felt like he wasn't worthy of being a leader anymore, but his men knew that he was. And I think that did a lot, um, for young Uhtred and coming around to his dad's, you know, side, because, you know, I think, how people respond to you when you're not at your best says a lot about what that relationship is. Um, 
And, you know, we saw that cooking crew is ride or die for him, even when he's having a really bad time. And even when he suffers some, you know, pretty major failure, they're still, you know, they know what he's about. They know what he's done for them and they're going to follow him to the end. And yeah, I mean, if they can survive like last season with Skade and the curse, like they can survive this like little emo face, you know, like I think they've been through worse. This is a terrible loss, especially for Uhtred, but they've Mm -hmm. been through a lot of hard shit. And so, um, yeah, I think you're right. I think seeing how, you know, his men react to him, I think also just being with his dad. I mean, he's been like. He was sent away to a monastery, you know, after mm-hmm. his his family was, like, lost. His mom died. And um, I think it was probably easier, you know, when he was there to, to view his dad as just this kind of terrible person and this heathen and, and all these things because that's what he was being fed. And I think maybe being with him, seeing how he interacts with people. Yeah, so I think, yeah, that's a really sweet moment. And... We have, like, more sweet moments. We have, you know, Ethelflaed and Uhtred reuniting in Mercia. And um, he's a little shocked that she's, like, kind of there, like, with maybe ten men. I don't know, you know. And he's, yeah. he's like, what are you doing? You don't need to be on your own. I'm here to, like, help you. Um, and they plan to, to kind of ride off together and face the Danes. And Aylesworth is back in Wessex doing her part. Um, and... It's so interesting because I think at right now she knows, like, Edward is just not reliable. And so she kind of – she goes to Pierleg and she's like, look, we we need help. We need allies. And Edward's not going to do it. Like, I know that this puts you in danger, but what is your life worth, you know, if you're not spending it – if you're not using it to better your country? And right. so um, – her her plan is to get a message to the Welsh king because if Edward's not going to give Ethelflaed an army, maybe he will. And have we? Okay, I'm having an issue remembering if we've met this Welsh king. I don't think this? so. I don't think. I think it's a new player. We have not. We have not had any dealings with Wales up to this point. I don't think. Okay, I thought I would um, remember if we had. Yeah, I don't think, I do not think we have met the Welsh king yet. So, okay. yeah, so she's plotting that. Athelflaed and Uhtred are planning on, you know, riding out to join the Fjords. And then we see this new guy rock up at the end. And, like, you couldn't, I couldn't really tell, like, where he was showing up. But that guy looks to be trouble with his army. Mm. So, got another Capital threat. Capital T. <laughs> Love it. I don't think Love that's it. the Welsh king. <laughs> No, it's not. The, um, I don't think it's the Welsh king. I think he's maybe a new Dane. They had real Dane vibes. So yeah, yeah. We'll see, man. We'll it see. Was the hair? Yeah, that hair. That is you can not Saxon hair. Yeah. yeah. Well, we have something a little bit special for you in this episode. Um, we have more of our interview with Alexander Draymond to talk about everything episode three, especially the loss of Bayoka. So here's a little bit of that. Check it out. So we need to talk about season or episode three because a lot happens. Because a lot Bayaka. of devastating. Oh my god! Okay, rip my Just, heart out. It was 
a lot. Um, and yeah, in this episode, like Utra deals with a level of failure that we haven't really seen him have to deal with before. You know, there was a failure to protect the people that he loves and a failure to retain his birthright. Like he's dealt with loss and defeat before, but this was just such a one two punch at Bebenberg. Like, how does this affect him on his journey he had forward? A really bad hair day that episode. <laughs> just he- awful. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, I, I, you know, I like that that he had to deal with so much loss because, I mean, with with so much failure, not loss, but failure. Mm-hmm. Because sure. I think it's just not believable that he always wins, and and um, right. especially something that is so important to him. I like that we got so close, and then you know we we couldn't quite get there. Mm. Um, obviously, Bianca is devastating, mm-hmm. and uh, on and off screen, by the way. We, yeah. we all miss Ian Hart, and, and those scenes with him are are such a joy to do because he he's just such a wonderful, phenomenal actor that I've learned so much from over the years. And and uh, not having him anymore is just like just like David Dawson. It's it's uh, it's devastating for for us on set and for the show. But you know, it's the name of the game. Like people have to go, unfortunately. Well, I feel like they're they're really punishing you this season, Alex. Like they're taking away all of your friends. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. They they haven't they haven't dared touch uh, touch Utra's gang. Yeah, because oh. they know that I absolutely not riots in the <laughs> yeah. streets, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I was I was gonna say ask you know if it was hard to say goodbye to Ian, but I'm wondering instead do you do you remember like the last scene you shot with Ian and what that was like that kind of last day. <laughs> the last scene that we shot with Ian was was him lying in the mud. Oh, um, shot in sequence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was the last scene, and and you know that made my job a lot easier because I I it was very easy for me to to cry over him because I knew that he was gonna he was gonna go, but I think he didn't enjoy it too much. There's all these crazy people fighting around him and jumping around and. You don't know if you're going to get trampled on or not, um, and and you're lying in the cold, wet mud. It wasn't his his favorite moment of the show, I, I presume. But uh, yeah, that was the last off. one. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so cool. Thank you, Alexander. Um, really informative, and also he just sounds so much more. Uh, put together than we do on a normal daily basis so (laughs) thanks and um we'll be we'll be having more with him uh later so stay tuned and check that out hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. 
so now it's time for our next episode wishes. Uh, this is when we issue our demands for upcoming episodes, like the spoiled toddlers that we are. Here's what we want to see, when we want to see it, and why we won't be denied. Melissa? Okay, so, you know, now that Uhtred has sort of lost his past in Bayoka and also in Babenbur a little bit, but hopefully he gets a chance to retake that. But I'm really excited to see how, like, this change has will sort of push him towards his future with his son. Um, you know, the conflict between these two has been one of my, just one of my favorite parts of this season because I think it's the side of Uhtred that we haven't really seen yet. Um, and, you know, at, at the end of this episode, they kind of reach a place with a little bit more understanding um, and so I, I anticipate like big and emotional things happening for them mm. in the future. Um, and I'm really stoked to see it. Um, plus, I hope to continue to see Athelflaed just take absolutely zero shit from the men in her life. Like, yes. she doesn't care what her brother says. She doesn't care what her husband says. She is a queen and she will do what she must take care of her people. And I'm just like, I'm living for that. I'm, I, yeah. yeah, it's the best. So independent. Um Really brave. I cannot relate to that part <laughs> because I'd be like, yeah, I'm cool. I'm cool with staying in Wessex and decorating my, like, brother's palace. Who cares? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I hate to say it. I think I'm really excited to see more of Aleswith this season. 100%. Um, yes. We've talked, we've talked about it a bit. I think, you know, she's always been good at scheming. Normally, her plans are kind of, like, directly opposed to our faves. So I've never really appreciated how smart she is. Mm. Um, but I think seeing her, you know, work with Ethelfled and Pyrlig to kind of ensure Alfred's vision, I don't know. I got, like, goosies. Like, it was, mm. it was really cool to see her taking charge. I mean, she's experienced. She's been in that palace for a long time, and she's seen a lot of shit. And so... Um, I think she's, you know, a dangerous opponent to have. If I were Ethelhelm or the Danes, I'd be worried about her. Yeah, I think they're really underestimating her, and I think she should definitely use that to her advantage. So The Last Kingdom has a massive cast of interesting characters, and nearly everyone gets their time to shine. Our arsling of the episode is the character who truly goes above and beyond to win the war or simply win our hearts. Jessica, who was your arsling this week? I can guess, but I mean, who is your arsling this episode? I mean. yeah. we've, I mean, we've said it before. Like, there's no, like, better wingman than our favorite beardish, bearded Irishman, Finnan. Yeah. Like, he he comes through this episode. He gets Uhtred and the team out of Bebenberg. Um he, you know, inspires everyone. He he gives his his bros plenty of pep talks on the journey south. Um, most importantly, I think he helps to kind of mend that rift between young Uhtred and his father. Sure. Because um, I don't think a lot of that kind of bonding session in the tent would have happened, you know, if we didn't have our emotionally woke potato pancake <laughs> to speak some sense into his friends. Yes. Um, and also, like, hello, Mark Rowley. Like, who told you you could act your ass off this season? Like, he's crushing on, it. You gotta prepare like, us for that. I know he's crushing it this season. It's been it's been a big one, and he deserves it. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it's hard to imagine anyone better than Finnan at this point. But I'm gonna have to, you know, pour one out for Bayoka. Like, he died <sighs> in the most Bayoka way possible. You know, sacrificing himself for Uhtred. And he's going to be missed. Like, he was such mm. an integral part of Uhtred and of the show. Um, so I'm curious to see, like, how they carry on without him as such a linchpin. Um, and, you know, 
I think Uhtred's going to carry this wound for a long time, and he should. Like, Baoka did so much for him over the years. You know, I don't want him to immediately forget. Um, but, yeah, Baoka, he, he You were a real a, one. <laughs> he was a real one. Um, but, yeah, he's yeah. my arsling of this episode. And I think that's, like, an interesting thing, too, to think, like, how is this— how how do these kind of uh, events unfold without Bioka? Because he was yeah. such a, you know, he was a character that really kind of crossed the aisle and and tried to make peace and and united people that wouldn't have worked well together. So yeah, and I, I think yeah. I I think he with the loss of Alfred, like he was always such a go between between Alfred and Uhtred, and so I think mm-hmm. without. Without Alfred being there, narratively, Baoka didn't have as much to do. So, like, unfortunately, it made sense for him to die. But, like, that still sucks. Ugh, we'll miss you. We'll miss you, Baoka. Get ready to shame none the worst character of the episode with us. It doesn't matter if you're a Saxon or a Dane. Anyone can be a turd, and we're calling out the biggest one of the week. So, Alyssa, go first. Um, for me, I'm returning to one of our old standbys, Athelred. I'm getting real sure. sick of him. He's just, you know, <laughs> flouncing around in his ridiculous outfits. I hate his crown so much. It just looks like <sighs> one of those crowns that, like, you'd go and buy at Party City when you want to look like a douchebag on Halloween. Like, right? I just, it's, I and hate him so much. it tilting to one side. Like, every yeah. time we see him, it's more tilted. It's like... It doesn't fit. Say? It doesn't fit him. <laughs> he is not suited to be king, and even his ugly crown knows that. Um, but yeah, yeah, like he's leading his people into ruin. He's threatening to kill Athelflaed. He rapes Edith. Like this guy's gotta go, and like soon. Hundred percent. Yeah. Need him to die. Um, I need him to die. I'd be fine with having his his current bestie die too. Like I mm. I get that. Erdwif is, like, under a lot of pressure because of the whole, you know, my dad used to horse hump thing. I don't know. Um, but he's he's really starting to kind of rival Ethelred's, like, level of deviousness. Um, and I think, you know, Edith seems to have some moral integrity and, and she understands there's a limit and there's a line not to cross. I think Erdwif has no qualms about killing innocents. Um mm-hmm. Or lying to his king or pimping out his sister, like, if it means he gets what he wants. And so that kind of selfishness is just, like, not a good look, no matter what century you're in. No character is safe on The Last Kingdom, but some seem to be flirting with death more than others. Ninth century life was fleeting and barbaric, but that doesn't mean we can't have some fun with it. Get ready to place your bets on who's headed to Valhalla soon, because this is the Viking death pool. All right, Jessica, who's going to die? Who needs to die? <laughs> okay, I just, I want to, like, make it known that we did guess that Bioka was going to die in the first episode, and we were right, and we we have not watched, like, we're really torturing ourselves this season, so I just want to say... It was a terrible kind of choice. A mini congrats. Yeah, yeah. like, I, I'm not happy about it, but also... You know, pay attention to this section because we seem to be like clairvoyant. We're um, witches. It's fine. <laughs> we are. It's gonna. It's gonna come out anyway. Let's just say it. Um, I think you know this may be just some wishful thinking on my part, but I've got a gut feeling that Ethelred might kick the bucket soon. Mm, um, I hope so. I think. I mean, yeah. Obviously, we want him to. I think though, there's for some reason his like storyline this season feels 
um, a bit, like, unneeded. I, I think he's kind of going off in a direction where it's like, okay, it just feels like it's making it easier to, like, get rid of him at a, a certain point because he's mm-hmm. not central to this idea of, like, a united Wessex or to Ethel Fled and her story. I don't know. It just feels like it, it might be easier to get rid of him now. Mm. Um, he's lost his power. He's lost the respect of his people. I don't know. Maybe his time will finally be up. And I think it's it's either him or, or Airwolf this, who dies next, in my opinion, because they're both just making bad choices left and right. Well, from your lips to Frigga's ears, because I would love nothing (laughs) more than to see them kick the bucket. Um, I got to say, like, as much as I'm enjoying Aleswith this season, which is a surprising amount, I'm like, I'm worried about her. Um, Edward, like, I know, but like Edward clearly doesn't give a shit. And Aldhelm is in his ear, you know, telling him to sacrifice his sister and Mercia for the crown. So I feel like if they like catch wind of how deep her insubordination goes, she could be in real real danger like i can't imagine mm-hmm. edward's gonna react well to her calling on a different king to clean up his mess um mm. that i just that i respected the move but it also made me worry that she's you know could be in real danger plus i'm also very nervous that the whole cookum crew has sort of made their way through so many battles with like their first loss being bayoka really so I'm just, I'm worried about their longevity. So I'm like priming myself for the loss of like Osforth or Citric for like a particularly devastating blow. No, because, that would be well, cool. I know, but like, I feel like you could kill off either of those characters and it would be like maximum emotional impact without being like a huge plot changer, which usually means you're in trouble. Mm. So I don't know. I'm worried. I'm worried. I mean, I'm always worried about the Cookham crew, to be honest, because they're just, like, so fun and enjoyable to watch. So I just sure. assume anything that's good is going to be taking you know, taken away from me. I know. Um, so, I know. yeah, I guess they'll always be in the Viking death pool. Not because we want them there, though. Right, because we fear for them. Now, this is clearly a very serious podcast about a very serious show but sometimes it's nice to indulge in a little thirst it's 2020 the world is on fire honestly we deserve this so this is our time to celebrate the thirstiest moments that really blew our skirts up this week Alyssa, i mean do i need to ask like well is there anything that really did it for you well here's the thing like this is an episode that's largely about grief so thankfully we can deem it not horny in the least which is good there's a time and a place. Um, however, <laughs> however, we do need to praise Finn and his emotional intelligence mm. in this episode, which is sexy in its own way. Yes. You know, it's you got to like the hottest thing. Exactly. You can have the muscles. But, you know, if there's nothing in the head to go along with it, then who cares? So we right. stand an emotionally healthy man. So that was the hottest thing about the episode. That's a good find. Um, I think this episode for me was just as dry as the desert. Um, but honestly, I'm I'm not mad about that. Like you said, right. this was an episode about grief. You know, Bioka died. We need to show some damn respect by not getting too horny. There you go. We can turn it off for an episode. It's fine. Since we recorded our previous seasons, the world has changed a little bit. Life has ground to a halt, and we're just doing our best not to lose our minds in quarantine. So goodbye, Geek Out, and welcome to Self-Care Corner, where we talk about what we're reading, watching, and doing to stave off the seemingly endless alone time. 
Jessica, what you doing to uh, not get the core madness? Okay, so I, I'm. I want to like first off say I am not here for all of the jokes about oh I'm gonna gain like the corn fifteen. You know what oh, I mean? Like yeah. all the all the jokes about like gaining weight and everything because it's just like. Honestly, we're all too emotionally traumatized, and there's too much stress, and there's a lot more important things to worry about. So it's like give give yourself a break and give it's other okay people if, a break. Like, right. It's okay if your body changes a little bit in quarantine. It's not yeah. the end of the world. Like, you're going you're, through a traumatic event. Like, it's things are going to be weird. Things are going to be different. Yeah. Whatever you need to do to kind of stay healthy mentally. Um and as healthy as you can be, like, physically. Like, you know, obviously if you if you eat better food, you're going to feel better. But also, if you want to eat cereal at, like, midnight, I've been doing that for, right. like, four weeks straight. There you um, go. I think that said, um, I'm, like, super into tennis right now. Like I, I played. Uh, thank you. I, I played when I was younger, and I kind of just, like, it dropped off. Mm-hmm. Um, but tennis is, like, such a good <laughs> social distancing sport because you can it play is. with a friend. But, like, you're definitely six feet away from each other at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just a, it's a nice, like, way to kind of release some, like, stress. And I've I've had trouble, like, sleeping, obviously. And um, I think, you know, if you're just stuck in the house all day and you're laying around, like, it is going to, like, affect your sleep eventually. And so yeah. I find that if I can, like, tire myself out, it does not take much <laughs> to tire myself <laughs> out. It's like a 30-minute, like, game, like a 30-minute volleying session. It's like, okay, I'm done for, like, a week. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, if you're looking to, like, you know, do some exercise and, like, you know, working out by yourself is just not for you because it's, like, not for me, uh, maybe try tennis. I don't know. There, there should be some tennis courts around open somewhere. Or yeah. you can just hit a tennis ball against a, a, a wall. I don't know. But <laughs> Who cares about getting um, your security deposit back? Just hit it against yeah, the wall. <laughs> hit it against your wall in your apartment. Your Honestly, neighbors will it, love it. it. It lets out a lot of aggression, I will say. Like, just hit something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That makes sense to me. Um, what about I've, you, Alyssa? I have been, I feel like I'm, like, falling in on a lot of, like, quarantine trends which I'm not proud of but Mm. like they're all trends that I really like and are comforting so like why not um I yeah I have been like although I will say I was obsessed with her before all this started um I've been like getting really into Allison Roman's cooking um I love her videos I love her cookbooks have you have you like read any of her cookbooks or like heard of her recipes or anything like that I have not. Tell me. Okay. She is a writer for the New York Times, and she also has a couple of cookbooks. And basically, she, like, she writes a lot of the recipes that she's created are all simple enough that they aren't super intimidating, and they don't have a ton of, like, crazy ingredients that you have to go out and buy. Like, you're not going to have to go Mm -hmm. get, like, you know polenta and cardamom pods or whatever to like make her stuff (laughs) um but it's but she does a really good job of like making them like quote unquote fancy enough that you feel like you're making something special in a way that's not exhausting um so I've been like cooking through her cookbooks and she's amazing and everything is delicious she has a lemon turmeric um tea cake that is the best thing I've ever eaten possibly Mm. um so I've been doing that to try and like not just order takeout while I'm in quarantine because that can become an expensive yeah. and un- a healthy habit pretty quickly. Um, and also I've been binging the new show, Normal People. Um, it's a real devastating, like Irish romance. And it's so good. I don't know if you've read the book. It was kind of like a big thing last year. 
and I loved the book and they're doing a really beautiful adaptation. And like, I, I like, I suggest it wholeheartedly, but only if you don't mind being like emotionally devastated at the same time though. So maybe not a quarantine watch, but also definitely watch it because I want to talk about it. (laughs) Well, okay. Here's the thing though. Like sometimes I like to watch something because I know it's going to be a good cry and that's like really Uh, cleansing and like makes you feel good. Yeah. You will weep over Connell and Marianne. You need to, yeah, you'll cry. I've cried. Oh, okay. So the the guy's name is Connell? Yeah. Connell and Marianne and they're like these tortured lovers who just can't get their shit together and it's, it's so good. So good. But okay, so you had awful. me. You had me at Connell <laughs> um, and Irish. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll totally watch it this weekend because yeah, I do think it's like good to kind of again. That's like a stress reliever where you don't really have to do anything. Just sit and like let your emotions take over. So it's catharsis. Also, I'm not like yeah, I'm not around anyone. So if I have like ugly, splotchy, you know, face yeah. from crying so much, who cares? Like there you go. Let the snot run. Now's the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys if you want to hear more of our bullshitting check us out on twitter or over at sci-fi wire fangirls also don't forget to like subscribe and leave us a nice review wherever you get your podcasts and until next time destiny is all bitches